Oh, amazing. Thank you. So I thought I just wanted, I just wanted to talk a little bit what God's put on my heart a few times. Um, but firstly, I've got a little bit of a, a, a task for us all, if that's okay. So I'm going to talk about what's the story this morning. Okay, so I've sort of summarised a couple of stories. Okay, and I, it's not a test, okay? You don't get asked to leave if you get it wrong. Okay, that's always good. Okay, so I'm just going to read a little, uh, just a few highlights of some stories, and let's see if you can guess who they are. Okay, so these could be people from movies. They could be people from the Bible, maybe. Okay, so my first one. Okay, so there's just a few statements. Let's see if you can get who it is. So he was a layman. Okay, that he served the king in a secular role. Okay, became a leader of a broken community. Very good. That's very good. Okay, my next one was started a big renovation project. So I'm sure a lot more of you would have got it from that one. Okay, second one. Okay, are we ready? So worked in agriculture from a young age. David. Very good. You're good at this game, guys. Very good. Okay, uh, and my last one. Born to a teenage mum. Very good, you see. I don't need all these other 11 different... You guys are on it. You guys are on it. So, um, so what I was talking about today is rebellion, rejection, shame versus surrender, acceptance, and love. So this is the picture of God's love. He loves us. He wants us to surrender. He wants us to accept what he's done for us, and he wants us to accept his love, but he's also accepted us. So I don't know about you. I'm just going to read a bit of scripture This is a story that I'm probably sure most of you in this room have read numerous times. Um, But what I love about the Bible is you can read a story over and over again. And every time there's something new that comes from it. And what I love about the Bible is that it's not a flat book, is it? It's a living word of God. And what I really love about it is stories are 3D. Yeah, because they're still relevant today. They're not just a story that we put down. And I think over the years of my, my life, I think, oh, I've nailed that. I've read that Bible bit. It's fine. I don't need to keep doing it. But what I love about it is every time I come back to it, there's something new that God shows us. So I'm just going to read, excuse me, reading off my phone. I've got it in large text and in different colors so I can actually see it. But we won't comment about that. So Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for the distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there was a severe famine in the land and the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to be filled. He, he longed for his stomach uh, to be filled with the pods that he, the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death." I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up 
and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms out around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be a son called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And the father has killed the fattened calf because he has, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet never, but you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son, when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. (laughs) I just love, I don't know about you, but I like to picture things in my head when I read things. So um, just having that, seeing the sun, right, coming home can you imagine the father's joy I don't know about you if I've been away I miss my kids quite a lot so I love coming home and seeing my kids and sometimes I'll come through the door and they even get up and come and greet me which is beautiful Um, but I love coming home to them so as we just look at this younger son okay so just to sort of summarize what's going on in this story The son rebels, he dishonours his father, he brings shame to the family. Not only by asking for his inheritance, because for him asking his inheritance, he's basically saying to his dad, I wish he was dead, I want what I'm owed. And what what surprised me is, we get this sort of, you know... Background, don't you? I like always like overthink the background of the story sometimes. So he would, the father would have had probably a big estate, lots of fields. That's what's being alluded to. So the father would have had to sell half of what he had to give inheritance to his son to go off in, for wild living. Um, so as well as the shame his son brought to the father for asking, "I want what you owe me." He also must have gone around the local community and going, yeah, mate, I've got a couple of acres to sell. Do you want it? Cash sale, really good deal. So he would have gathered the cash because he would have wanted cold, hard cash. Okay, for wild living, you need cold, hard cash, I'm told. (laughs) Um, So, but if we look at more of the cultural element and the context, the younger son in this story, in this context, should have been the, the son that was by the father's side. Okay, so contextually, the younger son's job 
was to look after the, the, the father in his old, lay, old age. But instead, he left home, he left the community, he went abroad, probably to a party island. For my days, it was probably Ibiza, but you can see how out of touch I am, because I don't even know where you would go now. Um, but it says he squandered his wealth in wild living. And I don't know about you, have you ever made a decision or a choice that seems to go from bad to worse? That seemed a good idea at the time, I'm sure it did. But the son spent everything, and then there was a famine. I'm not being funny. If I had all that money, I'd spent it all, and then there was a famine hit the ground, I would be going, that's bad, bad planning for my part. Um, but then, then he was in need. He says there was a famine, and then he was in need. So what he's saying here is he had nothing. He'd spent it all. He squandered it. And I don't know about you, um, but we see in movies and things that when people have money, okay, they have friends, don't they? Do you, have you noticed that? When you've got something that's nice, you have lots of friends. Um, but he had to hire himself out so he could live because all his friends had left him, so-called friends. But let's not go into that. That's a whole different conversation. And... The worst thing of all, I love, I love the way Jesus picks. You know, he just pinpoints something culturally right there and then in the story. He ended up having to feed pigs. Okay, culturally, I mean, I quite like pigs. I don't know about you. love bacon. Okay, but pigs are great. Okay, but for, for a Jewish person at that time, going to work with pigs was the worst job any, anyone could do. Culturally, there would have been even shame attached to this job of working with the pigs. Um, and we know that um, this job didn't come with any room or board because it tells us, doesn't it? It tells us that he was so hungry, he was considering eating the pods of, uh, that the pig, of the pig food. And uh, it also says nobody offered him anything, which, again, let's leave that for us to think about. But what I also like to know, what I also want to just let you know, that pigs weren't harmed in this story, okay? They're safe, they're fine. Um, it was more about the boy and the son and not the pigs. Um, so... He's at this, at this place, desperate, in need, hungry, and he realises, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to beg my father to hire me as a worker. Um, and he has al- he's, he's already given up his sonship. He knows he was bad. He knows he's done wrong here because he, he says it, doesn't he? I'm going to go. I'm going to say, I've, I've disobeyed you. I've dishonoured you, Father and in the God of heaven, but you also, Father. See, he knows that he's given up his identity as a son. He just wanted to go home just so he'd get some food in his stomach. So before we look at the father's response, I just also want to just quickly move forward a little bit and talk about the older brother. And in culture at the time, it was the older brother that should have been trying to repair the relationship with the younger brother and the father. They should have been the person going, you're being out of order to dad. Dad, give him a bit of slack. You can't do this. Okay, so that's what the older brother should have been. He should have been that person that's going, don't do this, don't do this, stay with us. Dad, what are we going to do? How can we get him to, to buy into the family business? That's what their job was. That's what his job was, sorry. But you know... We talk about that the older brother ended up just getting so cross by his father's response. And all he could see was the bad in the circumstances. 
And a lot of commentaries talk about this, is that Jesus was being quite pointed at this moment. He was talking to a group of people culturally at the time, which he always did beautifully through his stories. But his critics at the time couldn't see the beauty of what was happening in front of them. Jesus was going for the lost here. Okay. You know, he says in, the, in, the, in many of the Gospels, it's the sick that need a doctor. And Jesus is going to show that actually the people in need, the people who are lost, is what I'm after here. And, and because the people, the critics, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, I can never say that word, um, were all expecting what this Jesus, what this Messiah was going to look like. They missed the point. So just to summarize the other brother's story a little bit, we know he worked hard. He had some friends because he was annoyed that his dad wouldn't let him fire up the barbecue, put some goat steaks on with a few sides and obviously a vegan option. But there there was an expectation that that the older brother was expecting he should have had that, an entitlement, I should have that. This is the way it should be. And the older brother is representing those who thought at the time that this Jesus, this love, this father's relationship was exclusive. If I did what I needed to do, if I earned his respect, if I worked hard, but we know that a relationship with God is not exclusive, it's inclusive. And the Pharisees and the older brother worked on trying to earn God's love and acceptance. They should have been trying to call back those who were lost. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, can never say that, should have been going out to the poor, to the needy. But they didn't. They kept themselves separate, didn't they? They were, they were earning their acceptance. They were trying to stay holy. They missed the point that Father God was for all. His heart is for all to know him. Not the select few they had an idea of what it should look like and they didn't fit their expectations. I don't know about you, has God ever done something that you kind of expected him to kind of do it this way, but he kind of done it that way? And if I'm honest, I was all right if he did it this way, but when he kind of does it this way, I'm kind of going, uh, I'm not quite sure, uh, and I get lost and even angry sometimes. But you know, God is God, and he's good, and he knows better than me, <laughs> which is good. But you know, I took a ba- when I was reading this again, I took back just uh, took a step back, sorry, from reading it. And I just kind of thought, well, the brother had such an opportunity in this story, didn't he? You know, he missed, he missed the point that he was hanging out with his dad. I I'm not from a large family, but I used to love when my dad go... Come on, Matt, let's go and do something together. And I'd go, just you and me? And he'd go, yeah. And I got really excited. And this is what the older brother really missed the point. He was there with his, with his father. We don't quite know how, the, how long the younger brother was away from. But, you know, he was working alongside. He was learning the family business, the older brother. But he missed the beauty of the moment. Because he was also caught up in the mindset of earning his father's affection. He even said that, didn't he? He said, I've never disobeyed you. I've worked hard. He's earning that affection and that love. Instead of celebrating the restoration of his family, he thought it was unfair. 
talk about missing a point. But let's look at the father's response on how he went to both sons. The father is the most remarkable character in this story, I believe. The person who was rejected by his own flesh and blood and who his son wished was dead, who would have had to live with the shame in the community due to what his son had done. But it says, while his son was still a long way off, the father's heart was filled with compassion. And it doesn't matter where we are today. The father is looking and his heart is full of compassion for each and every one of us. And it says, and he says he, he ran to his son. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've heard this story so many times. I've even heard, seen people dress up, run up and down the, the aisle, pretending to be the father, looking undignified. But the father missed his son. He wanted to restore him. But more than that, he needed to get to his son before people in the community would have done. Because at the time, if other people had reached the son from the community, they would have broken a pot at his feet and banished him from the community. So the compassion of God, the father, the compassion of the father in this story is not only he wanted to hug him because he missed him, but as a father does already, he ran to protect him, to welcome him in, to put him under his wing, his protection. Even though he was dishonored, he, his father did what a father does, what a good father does, went out, protect him, brought him back. And the, what I love about this story is but the father bestows and restores his identity. Isn't that amazing? That he restores his identity. The younger son's run off, done whatever he wanted to do, forgot who he was and whose he was. And he, the first thing the father does is bestows and restores his identity as his child, the father does. He puts on the, the, uh, the, the robes. And these would be expensive robes. These would only be robes that were set aside for, for the family, for the sons. He put a ring on his finger, which meant covenant. He celebrates his son coming back, back in relationship with him. He brings the fattened calf. They have a barbecue celebration. His son who was dead is now alive. The one that had gone was back. The one that was unprotected, who was living in danger, is back in the family fold under the protection of the father. And God is like that with us. And he loves us even before you know him <laughs> or we've known him and have a relationship with him. He knows you. He loves you. And we know, we've heard in the songs this morning and we've what Dan's already said, that the ultimate price was paid for you and me. And if we look at the stories before the prodigal son, it's all about a lost sheep where the father goes off after the one. It's a lost coin, again, going after the one. And he's, saying, he's telling us that actually he's after the lost. And I don't know where you are today, but I've been lost in my, in my years Sometimes I've been right next to him and still feel lost. But he still comes out to us. And then we look at how he, the father responds to the older brother. So the older brother is basically having a tantrum here, isn't he? 
He's refusing to join the celebration, but it says his father came out to see him. He invited him in. It doesn't matter who we are, if we're the younger brother or the older brother, the father's compassion in his heart for us, he's coming out to us. He's either running or he's inviting us in, in to what he has for you and for me. Whoever we see us as, and I know that's a real tongue twister, however you see yourself, that is the God, the God is the God that comes and invites you back, back into the fold, back under his protection, no matter what we've done. So I want to share a little bit about, we've talked about what the story is. I'm going to share a little bit about my story. And some of the things that I'm going to say today, some of you may have already heard. Some may be something that you might want to talk about and happily to do that. But I think, I don't, as I've already said, I've probably been both of these brothers at one point. I don't know about you or you. But for me, I've wanted sometimes chasing my own wants, but I've also been the brother that has tried to work my way to heaven to be loved and accepted. And if I'm honest, I've read this story many times and it's made me think, why would others want to hear my story? I wasn't a son that ran away in the younger son's example. But I felt my story was boring and at times really related to that other brother of, oh yeah, I've just kind of forgotten in the field, aren't I? But um, when I was growing up, I was a pastor's kid um, and the arrangement was my dad was when I was 14, when all my friends and my friendship group left church, my dad said, well, I'm the pastor. You'll come in every Sunday. Don't matter where you sit, you're coming, which I loved him for, obviously, at the time. But so grateful as well. And, you know, I went to, ch- went to my church youth group four nights a week and church twice on a Sunday. I know, I know. I was like the other brother, and I thought that that was what it was all about doing those things, working hard, showing up. And I was in my family business. It was in the family business. But it wasn't the family business of what God calls us into, the family business. I was in my dad's job, basically. I felt like I was just an extension of his team. And we always, always had people live with us, um, as long as I can remember. Um, And I've got to say, most of the time I had people live with me, and it's embarrassing to say I was really like the older brother, okay? Didn't particularly like it, but I look back, and it doesn't go good. (laughs) So we had one guy live with us who my dad literally told him to go out in the garden and dig a pond, which I was like, okay, Dad, I think that's a bit harsh. Um, But but this is why he was detoxing. He was coming off heroin, and I'm not joking. I've never met anybody who've drunk that much tea in my entire life. I didn't think it was humanly possible to drink that much tea, but he did. And we also had a young lad who was pretty much one way. And we've talked about prisons today, haven't we? But that's where he was headed. And he all lived with us. And uh, I wouldn't change it for the world, but at the time, as I said, couldn't really see the value in it. Um, And you know, church was all right. You know, it was okay. Saw some friends when they turned up. Um, but I just remember when I was 14, I had a specific encounter with Jesus. And if, if you'd asked me then, 
you know, would you say you're a Christian? I would have said, yeah, I've given my life to Jesus. I've been to church camps. Probably did it every time I went to a church camp, if I'm honest, because I got all excited. But it was amazing. But I was a Christian. You know, I would say that. But, you know, this experience brought me into a relationship with Jesus. And that's the difference. I've given my life to Jesus, but this, re- this experience brought me into a relation with Jesus. Not a transactional one, not something I had to do or had to go to, but a relationship with Jesus. It's that relationship that has led me to see and have some crazy experiences. Hard decisions, but good ones. And it's helped me a lot of the time. Um, And just a few stories. At 17, I had a dream to go to Brazil to work with street children, which I did. And while I was there, I had a gun pointed at my head, which was quite interesting, from a boy from Milton Keynes. Um, And also at the time, we were on a mission. I remember this so specifically on just God's just, oh, he blows me away. A friend of mine, we we were on a mission trip, and uh, it was in carnival season, which is amazing. If you ever go to Brazil, go to carnival season. It's fantastic. Loved it. Um, and neither of my, my friend and I spoke Portuguese. And like good teenage, English teenagers, we were looking at something and all our other team had got on the bus and left. So we kind of gone, okay. So, you know, being, right, let's find a solution. I went up to this guy and went, mate, I need to go to this place. Um, can you tell me what bus it is? And he went, yes, mate, you need to get this bus and it will take you there. I went, brilliant, thanks very much. So my friend and I got on the bus. We sat down, relieved that we thought we were on the right bus. And we both looked at each other and went, how do you know this is the right, how do I know this is the right bus? And she went, how do you know this is the right bus? I went, that guy told me. And then we both kind of realised, yeah, but Matt, you don't speak Portuguese and you don't understand Portuguese. But it all turned out good. We got to the right place. But again, it was just God's goodness over my life. Um, Crazy experience. Um, But more recently, you know, it hasn't always been easy. Um, More recently, and many of you will know this, um, our son at 18 months had liver failure and he was critically ill. But you know, God was good in it all. I can't, you know, he was close to us, miraculously healed him. And you wouldn't see, notice a difference, but God restored him. Um, and he's doing amazingly, but it was a traumatic time for us. But we saw God's comfort and strength throughout it. And you know, that experience just gave us, just gave me just a snippet of understanding of what the father would have been like when his son left. Because you love your son, don't you? You love your children. And then from that, it got even funner. I then had a heart infection and I was bed bound for four months, um, which was bad, um, which then rolled into a mental health breakdown, which again, you know, good times, not. Um, and I couldn't function. I don't know about you, I'm, quite, I, I'm pretty good. I'm quite, I can survive in most places, okay? But I was in a position where I would stand in the hallway in our house And Naomi, my wife, would come down and she goes, Matt, what are you doing? And I would literally go, I can't choose between two pairs of shoes. And you know, it was my relationship with Jesus that kept me going. And you know, I was sharing this story with a group of young people recently. And you know, even through that time, I felt nothing. I felt nothing. I had this relationship with Jesus, but I felt nothing. 
I did everything that I'd been taught and learned over the years as my, in a relationship with Jesus. I read my Bible. I listened to worship music. I felt nothing. But you know, God sustained me. My relationship with Jesus sustained me. And you know, it's my relationship with Jesus that makes my story what it is. And wherever you are in your faith journey, God wants to be part of your story. His love is unconditional. You can't earn it. It's a gift. The only work we have to do is receive it. I'm not sure about you. It's quite easy to receive a gift. It's quite nice. But I also know that sometimes there's stories that may include experiences that we've walked through. And... That's great, and that's brilliant, and our story is our story. But there is times when we have to speak to somebody, okay? And there is no shame in that. You know, it might be Dan or Andy, or it might be a youth worker for those young people in the room. Or, you know, it might need to be professionals that can help us, and there's no shame in that. And it doesn't matter if you are the son that ran away for his wild living, or you're the brother that stuck around. We all have a choice today. We can leave here the same as we came, or do we embrace and own our own story and accept that the God of creation wants to have a personal relationship with you and with me? And, you know, you might say, you might say I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. That's all good. But I really also believe there's people in this room that God is calling to a deeper relationship with him. And I also think there may be people in the room today that might need to think about walking away from something. Or maybe we need to decide to re-engage. That actually we go through the motions like I did, going to church. But actually God is here. He's the father that his heart is full of compassion for you and for me. And he wants to have a deeper relationship with you and me. And I know that there will be times in your life where you've been asking for a breakthrough. And there's been a breakthrough, but it's not been the breakthrough in the way that we expected it to be. And that is part of my story too, is that I've expected God to do something and instead he's done something else. But you know, once I got over myself, the other thing that God had done was so much better than I could have asked or imagined. And you might have, come to, you might have had a bit of a battle coming into church today. Oh, I don't know if I want to go, you know, maybe I should have a Sunday off. But you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God-ordained moments. And I believe that the Father is here today, no matter what brother you relate to today. And no matter what brother you relate to tomorrow, you know the Father is here with compassion. He's running out to you. And maybe you've been wanting the Father to notice you. You've worked hard, you feel you've done everything right, but maybe he is doing something different than you expected. You don't, we do not have to earn the Father's love. We don't have to earn the Father's love 
acceptance. He has taken everything away. Because he's a compassionate father. And he loves us. And he runs out to us. We don't have to chase him. He's here. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about the standing firm as a church series. And I don't know about you, I've been loving it. And Dan said something a couple of weeks ago that everything we go through on our journey is all part of our stories. Everything I've walked through and walked through is part of God's journey and story of my life. And I don't know about you, if you've ever talked to somebody about Jesus, do you know, stories are so much easier to tell people. There is a place for intellectual arguments. There's a place for high-level theology theological debates but you know people connect to stories so my question for us all today is will you own your story will you let father god place the best robes on you restoring who you are covering you protecting you and having a celebration And I know there's people in this room, because I can feel it, that you feel disqualified. You're not. There's people in this room, I believe, that have said, yeah, I've done, I've done well, I'm all right, I'm okay. Do you know, it's all right, I'll, I'll just keep going for what I'm doing. You know, it doesn't matter about our age, it doesn't matter about our circumstances. The God of all the universe wants to have a personal relationship with us and everything we've gone through everything we're going through and I know there's things in the room that people are going through and going how do I get through this I want to say Jesus is the way you get through that and you might not be able to pick up your bible and you might not be able to listen to worship music but having a relationship with Jesus he's there with you he carries you I don't know if you remember the footprints message I don't know what it was but it was always in people's bathrooms okay but it's always talking about why God why to paraphrase two two sets of footprints on the sand and then there was only one set of footprints and the person would go God why have you left me in the hardest moments of my life and it says I didn't I picked you up I was carrying you that's the father of compassion And the beautiful thing is, you know, it's not about a destination. It's about a journey. It's our journey that is what it's all about. And he completes his work, doesn't he? And every morning when I take my kids or I leave my kids or drop them off to school, I I say, who are you? And we've instilled in our kids to say, I'm amazing powerful and strong and are made for a purpose and the father of heaven is saying the same thing to you this morning that you are amazing you are powerful anything you're walking through today you are powerful amazing you are strong and you were made for a purpose And in a minute, I'm going to ask for a response. And this is my nod for the worship band to come up. 
And we're going to say goodbye to those on live stream. Um, thank you for joining us. If there's something that has been spoken about this morning, please contact the church. We'd love to talk to you and walk that through with you. But remember, you're powerful, strong, and amazing. Thank you. This morning, just like those two brothers, the God, God is welcoming us home. No matter where we are, no matter what position we are, no matter what brother we are, what circumstances we're walking through. And I really believe that we need to make a response. And there's no pressure to this at all. But I want to encourage you that everyone in this room and those that have just left on live stream, you, your story can make a difference to somebody. We've talked a little bit about that this morning, about the message, but it's your stories that make a difference. And it's been hard. Life can be hard, but you know, it's a God of hope and he loves us. And band are just going to start playing. Thank you. And if I could just ask us just to close our eyes. And you know, God and the Father in this story meets us where we're at. So for the younger brother, he ran like a loony out to him with compassion. But for the other brother... He went out and invited him in. And I just get the sense that God is inviting the same for us today. For some, it might be that you might need to come to the front and the team, uh, ministry team can pray for you. But for some, you might just need to stand up and do business between you and God. But let's not leave today without owning our own stories knowing that we're amazing, powerful and strong. And if you were here last week, someone prayed out a lyric of a song that said, from just one touch the king, it changes everything. And that's what it's about. One touch from the king changes our circumstances, changing our perspective. So will we own our story and more importantly will we allow God to use it there is no nothing that disqualifies us there is no shame it's all been dealt with so can I encourage us let's own our story so we're just going to lead into a song I'm going to pray we're going to lead into a song but if you need to respond I invite you to stand or come to the front. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you that you are a compassionate Father. Lord, that you want a personal relationship with us. But Lord, you come after us. You love us that much. 
Lord God, that you bring us into circumstances, into conversations, Lord God, with people to bring us to where you've got us. And Father, where I and where we may have been angry or frustrated by the way you've done something, we just want to ask your forgiveness for that. But Lord, we want to use, we want to have a relationship with you. We want to go deeper with you. We thank you that no one in this room is disqualified. There's nothing that we've done or do that separates us from your love, that you're the father that has compassion on us all. And Lord, we just want to give our story to be part of the bigger tapestry of what you're doing in this world. We just thank you, Lord God.